Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. And all right, everybody, welcome back to Mixed Company podcast. I think, um, as you guys know, we are in the midst of... Shit, I actually don't know what we're in the midst of, but we are a, we are recording a day after the Derek Chauvin verdict had been read. Um, for those of you, by the time you hear this, I'm hoping that you've caught up on all things uh, media and social media. But the police officer charged with the murder of George Floyd had been found guilty on all three charges, um, including, I believe, secondary degree manslaughter. Uh, uh, third degree uh, murder, manslaughter. I don't know. The man is found guilty. He's going to jail um, and the judge revoked his bail. And so those of you that march and protested and activated on behalf of your communities, um, I hope you're feeling some sense of, of catching your breath. Um, if, if not for, if not for anything, I hope you were able to exhale a bit yesterday. Sim, um, you are a black man. You are a black man in my network. You are also on mute, I think. Um, oh, I couldn't hear you. I saw your mouth moving, but I couldn't hear you. So I was like, I, cat got your, t- I don't know, but how are you feeling today? You know what? I I feel like uh, I mean, I'm having uh, an internal emotional juxtaposition of all the feelings on the spectrum. Uh, a piece of justice happened, but ultimately at the end of the day, somebody still lost their life. Uh, right. so it's it's very bittersweet. It's not like a, a joyous moment. Um, it, it It's a sense of relief because uh, it could have went left. Um, this is America. <laughs> uh, things go left all the time. Uh, so glad that it went the way that we all wanted it to. Um, hopefully this is the beginning of some real police reform and not just a um, uh, a token that they're giving us to avoid a riot, which is, you know, could have happened yesterday. Isn't that so shitty that that's how so many people feel right now? I mean, I know that's how I felt. I'm, in fact, ironically, and just so you guys know, we do have guests today. Like, I'm, I'm literally telling you that I feel like the last 90 days have been nothing short of the ancestors and the stars and the moon and the sky and everything is just lining up because we scheduled this recording about a month ago, not knowing the impact of what today would be. And and we do have um, the team who brought to life the defund to refund platform platform that we um, gave a dope shit award to back in February. We actually have them here to talk about the platform today. Um, but before we get into that, it's just ironic Shout out to Alanis Morissette. It's mad ironic that we're here. Um, this is actual irony, not just like a fictitious, fictitious usage of it. But I was going to say, I think it's it's so interesting to me that so many people are just kind of like, what's the catch? And mm-hmm. one of the things that I said yesterday before they, you know, as we were waiting during the 30 minutes, I think 4.30 Eastern to 5 p.m., I was like, you know, even if they do drop, even if they do um, con- convict Derek Chauvin, I was like, damn, it does shit for all of the people that are going to be experiencing any brutality at this time that they're reading the verdict. Yeah. And so at the time that they read the verdict is when we started getting news reports in that a young, a, a baby, a girl, a high school student, um, a young child was murdered by police yesterday after calling the police herself um, as she was in distress um, because quite frankly she was being bullied and they came to her house and they were attacking her and she tried to defend herself and in a panic of defending herself ended up losing her life as well and so sometimes it feels like one of those old sayings that comes up in culture tags and somebody mama say you know can't win for losing take two steps forward, 10 steps back. It literally does feel like that. So, um, but I hope, I hope everybody is able to find some moment to breathe, like definitely catch your breath um, because there's a precedent in place now. So 
But with that, I'd like to welcome, um, and I don't, I don't mean for this to be too heavy, but I'd like to welcome the team from Defund to Refund to Mixed Company Podcast. We've got Fuming, we've got Justin, and we've got Brandon here. Guys, welcome to Mixed Company Podcast. How are you doing? How are you feeling? What's on your mind right now? Hi. Thanks for having us. Oh, it's really informal. So I'll let you guys let your ancestors kind of point you in the direction of who wants to who wants to talk first. But I'd love for you all to introduce yourselves one by one. Um, but then I, I, I'd like to know individually your thoughts on the 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 conviction that was read aloud yesterday. Sure, uh, I can jump in. I am Brandon Coleman. I am a product design lead for Huge um, out of the Chicago office. Um, I think that my, my feelings uh, right now, uh, I'm still processing. I, I think that's probably pretty uh, common from a lot of the folks I've talked to. Um, definitely happy that we got some accountability in terms of these are the laws of the land and we all saw what we saw. And there's at least some verification that that mattered, that we all saw it and that there is a punishment for it. But still heavy, just the whole idea of what what we witnessed, what happened uh, yesterday in Columbus, almost simultaneously to, to the verdict being read. So mixed emotions, um, but better as the day goes along. Totally, totally. DT, uh, DTR uh, team, who's next? Uh, I'll go. I'm Justin Anderson Weber. I work in analytics and strategy in our Southeast office uh, at Huge. Uh, and yeah, I think Brandon described it well. There's kind of this feeling of, of you know trying to figure out what's next. I think in addition to that, you know, as we were like wrapping up calls at East Coast time yesterday and trying, you know, kind of looking at everybody on the Zoom calls like, hey, you know, it's coming soon, right? Can we wrap this up? Like everybody was on edge. You could feel it. And then when it came down, I was with my wife and we kind of looked at each other like, no way. Like all three, like, okay, didn't expect that. Like we were kind of expecting like a mixed bag, like, well, they're going to get him on some of the lighter stuff, but not the heavier stuff. And there was kind of like a moment where we looked at each other and I was like going through my head, like, cause we live in DC, like, is this like November when, you know, they called it for Biden and like everybody just ran down to the white house with their noisemakers and stuff. Like, is this a moment to celebrate? And like, we kind of took, we stepped out and took the dog for a walk and it was just kind of like, yeah. you could feel the neighborhood just like be like, no, that's not what we're doing today. We're just like, we're yeah. going to wait and see. Cause you know, um, uh, Micaiah Bryant, you know, moments later. Uh, and I mean, I'm sure that's not the only one that, you know, it's just the one we heard about. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think, you know, today was spent a lot of time thinking about like, how do we, you know, how do you keep the motivation? And it's like, it's almost like, like you, like you were a dog chasing the car and you got the car and then you saw that there's another car running by and you're just like, wait, what the heck? Like, I yeah. thought this, you know, like we were thinking like we got somewhere, but no, it's, you know, the work continues. Work definitely continues. Um, and last but not least. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm Fuming Tao and I do client services things at uh, HUGE in the Southeast office. I'm also located in D.C. Um, yeah, I, I think I just keep sinking into what I was feeling and thinking before the conviction got announced and then right afterwards because the feeling that at the like the heaviness in my chest um brandon threw it in our slack channel at work um they're announcing it from 4 30 to 5 the moment i saw that there was just a heaviness in my chest and i was like why why is that why do i feel like it's going to be doomsday why do i feel like it's not going to go the way it's supposed to because this is america and it could um, and then I think moments after, you know, there's no resolve. There's maybe a little bit of catharsis, like, thank God we made the right decision, but there's sort of no resolve. It doesn't feel like there's a sense of justice. 
Um, and I think I personally just want to make sure that we don't lose steam and anybody and everybody who started speaking up since last year that we realize and we understand that this is not it, this, we have to keep going. And I'm just so afraid for folks to think that we got the justice that we needed and this is it. And the law is working. The just criminal justice system is working and, you know, call it a day. Like I'm very, very afraid that we're going to sink back into the status quo. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely top of mind for folks. So let's, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. On top of that, like the cruel thing about, policing in America is there was also still a fear of like, you know, okay. They're saying like, Oh, if he's found, if he's found innocent, you know, the people are going to riot, but like he was found guilty. And I think there's a justified fear of like, okay, well, what are police going to do in retaliation to that? Like, it's not, you know, they, they see themselves as under attack as, you know, as if policing is an identity that they can't shed, uh, you know, it's something so core uh, that, you know, it's, it's not something that can be reformed, but like, you know, I think I I saw some quote from some FOP head yesterday that was like, our American way of policing is under attack. But also as it should be, (laughs) that's literally, yes, that is literally the point that the American approach to, to policing people, to, to, making people feel fear and and to literally playing every arm of the justice uh you know arm of justice in one person yes that is under attack um i don't think he realized how right he was (laughs) yeah i'm petty i would have hit it with a like like (laughs) yes yep that's it that's the the assignment (laughs) (laughs) that is the assignment so let's let's go back in time um, without and my intention is not to trigger anyone and also not to trigger myself. But let's go back in time. Um, you guys did not start this today. Uh, the defund to, to refund platform. Um, this this came at a at a moment when there was just a lot of shit happening in the world. But specifically, there's a lot of shit happening on our screens, on your 13-inch MacBook, 11-inch PC, whatever you got, there was a lot happening. So let's look back to last May. Um, mm-hmm. I guess w- w- what was happening or, or what kind of brought the, brought you all together to kind of create this platform that actually has e- even more relevance today than it did a year ago, which I'm not sure about you, but I didn't think it could be more relevant at this point. Yeah, I think we were in the same place. And you're right in saying that it, it, this right now feels like a full circle moment because we're coming up on the one year of George Floyd being murdered. Um, and I think that and the Breonna Taylor killing and all of the protests last summer, um, you know, we saw our industry, right? And beyond our industry, everybody sort of put out their statement of accountability, of support. We support Black lives. We support our Black employees. Um, and I think for us at HUGE, um, there's just always a sense of fierce community and advocacy and just giving a shit. It's literally in our ethos that we just felt like saying it isn't enough. So, you know, it was good on HUGE. You know, they opened an open brief, essentially, um, that was born out of the Southeast region, but it was global. Um, And it was essentially an open brief that was led by Asmir Davis, who um, is now the co-founder of Majority, the new Atlanta agency. Um, But she was the the strategy lead at the time. And she really pushed for this brief to be about, you know, what is it actually going to make an impact to help protect Black lives? And it's defunding the police. So when she shared sort of that open brief to the agency, it was really bold. It was really brave. And it was just very simple. Come up with ideas and come up with platforms that can help advance the movement to defund the police because the lives are not going to be protected if police continue to have the power that they have. And they will continue to have the power that they have if they keep having the funding that they have. So that was basically it. That was the call to action to the agency. And there was a lot of ideas submitted from across the agency offices. And essentially, Justin and I partnered up and 
our idea, you know, quote unquote won the brief, but it really, you know, it, it, it took the whole team really like that was only the beginning, right? Like we had an idea about, you know, how do we humanize budgets and how do we make it simple, easy for people to get involved and to understand their community budgets and the fact that the power is in their hands, they can define this. Um, so that was really our idea and that, that became defund to refund, but it was really the call to action to the rest of the agency when we announced it and said, Hey, who wants to hop on board? Who wants to help out? who wants to be a part of this, that it became sort of the team of eventually 34 of us who basically are now, you know, many activists in the in the corporate world that are just ready and are never going to go back to sleep again. And we're going to keep fighting until until we can't fight anymore. That's, that's uh, you know, one thing, one thing that I love about that, I think we've talked about it a few times on the podcast about agencies actually using the the skills that we use to help people make billions of dollars to actually solve the problems that um, all of us are passionate about. So for huge to put that brief out um, and basically use our superpowers for mm-hmm. good is pretty dope. How did you, as a copywriter, love the name? Um, who actually came up with the name uh, Defund to Refund? So I feel like Justin's going to be shy, but go for it. <laughs> no, I, I uh, this is going back in time. So it's the defund to refund was actually first thrown out by one of the hugest creative leads, Jason Musante, uh, in just like a brainstorming session that we were had because we were we were at, after we won the brief. There was a period of time where we were taking our idea, which at at, at its earliest stages was was kind of trying to, it was born out of like, I come from an academic background. So I was thinking about like Stanford virtual human interaction lab and like how they use virtual reality to get people to empathize with like mental health issues and fears and, and other things. So I was like, how can we take some of this research and like spin it to get people to empathize with this situation? And Fu was coming with like budget, cal- you know, making a better budget calculator. And we were just trying to like really hone this in and that the question was like what's the hook like how do we like explain this in a short situation and i think in one of those meetings jason just popped out and said well like like it's defund to refund right like we, we got to make that twist really quick and and it didn't stick right away but like the more and more that we uh worked with it uh, the more we were like this is actually really powerful this mm-hmm. this defund to refund uh and uh because the idea is like, like there's a challenge here because some of the language in the media coverage sense is like positioned us as like rebranding defund the police. But like, I, I cringe a little bit at that because we're not trying to like, we're not taking what like, like honestly decades of activism has built up to this very powerful brand of defund the police. Like it actually doesn't need rebranding. It's probably the most powerful brand in America right now. Like what it's accomplished in the last year is incredible we're just trying to play a role in this for a particular audience that sees that language that's, you know, some people have weaponized and gone to that audience and said, no, this is scary. We're just trying to take that defund quickly recognize and then twist it into the full policy very quickly defund to refund. So like we just see ourselves like in addition to and helping to build that out for a particular audience that may see themselves as allies, but also get very unsure or uncomfortable in that moment when they're like, but my whole life, I've seen the police as good, the good guys. I've watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I've, you know, like in New Girl, one of the characters is a cop. Like like everywhere you see, the, you know, these wonderful, happy cops uh, or, you know, tough guys that solve the problem. And like, I don't do it by the book, like, but I get the job done. And it's like, like, so we were just trying to add to that. And then I think it, it got taken to the next level. And Brandon, I think this is where you can pop in when they when they designed the logo. And you see that subtle nod to the equation in the logo. That was when I was like, this is it. Like, we know it. And, and Brandon, maybe you can talk a little bit more about that design process. Yeah. Um, that's kind of like, like my part in this project is kind of weaved in and out in these beginnings that that Fu and Justin just kind of laid down in terms of, uh, as part of the, the, the team that helped craft the brief that Asmir really steered. And then um, kind of laid back. I kind of wanted to see what came of it af- after that happened. Um, and then uh, once um, 
I saw Fu and, and Justin's idea. I was like, okay, I want, I want to be a part of this. Uh, so they, they brought us in, uh, there was a very small team at first in terms of like trying to get this off the ground in terms of like what the idea is going to be. So a core team that went in to start thinking about it and, uh, we made decisions, uh, really quickly. And, um, that, that, uh, adage that there's nothing like a, a, a deadline to, to motivate you. That, that, that was true here. So, uh, fairly quickly, um, me and my creative partner on the project um, was named, uh, his name, Emilan. And we kind of sat down and we we're trying to figure out like how, how we um, position, position this idea in terms of what could be very dense in terms of getting into the, the granular ideas of, of budgets and especially how they're constructed in, in individual communities and trying to drive home and get people to understand at an um, empathetic level uh, what the term means, what the actual movement means, how it affects their daily lives, even if they don't acknowledge it, and, and sh showing them through, um, through storytelling and art a way to grab their attention, but having it all based um, at its root for the core of the idea in terms of uh, budget reallocation and the idea of hopefully people understanding that they have more power in terms of how their communities represent themselves, um, their families and, and the community as a whole, and that that change happens locally at grassroots level instead of waiting for um, big solutions from Washington. Like you can go and, and go to your, your city council meeting and, and be there when the budget's being explained. You can go and ask um, your, your councilman or your um, um, whoever has that role for city government, like for different roles in terms of like mayor or, or city administrator, et cetera, like hold them accountable in terms of like, this is what I'm looking for in terms of my, my uh, local uh, municipality. Uh, so that's kind of how we tried to drive it. And we just thought that art would be a way that would stop and cut through um, a little bit of the digital malaise that we have, right? Um, we needed something that would still appeal emotionally to people, but not be traumatic, not be the sharing of, of the video clips that, that all of us have seen way too many of, and definitely the families that have been affected. So we wanted to take an approach, uh, and we just truly believe that art and storytelling have been used for, for a millennia in terms of um, um, humans showing their displeasure with their current um, uh, state and, and letting people know and letting it be known um, on the record of like, this isn't acceptable. This, isn't, this is why it's not acceptable. Um, this is why we need to, to change things. So that was the, uh, the motivating factor in terms of how we decided to think of creative even down to the branding initiative that Justin laid out. Um, just trying to think of like ways to, to make, make it very clear what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, make it very clear at a glance um, what, what we're about and what the mission is. So I think that the branding team knocked it out the park once they mm -hmm. finally, they went through a few uh, iterations literally like, so you know, let's, like pa let's pause because I think we can't I want to I do want to get into that but I think that there's a really important piece that you guys are talking about here and especially especially for those of us that work within the confines of advertising I don't mm -hmm. think that we realize how important the work that we do is to educating society mm -hmm. about what like what everyone's worlds are and so Justin, you you had mentioned like there are many people who will look at the police force and say, oh, I always thought they were, you know, your your your, your friendly neighborhood policeman. When, you know, me looking at me looking at policemen on TV, oh, those are always the guys that yoke up the, the people that look like me. And they're always cursing at the kids too. Why do they do that? Why are they always so angry? And it really is just how we're socializing and how we're communicating characters and stereotypes and societies. And so what, from the beginning, what was um, 
exciting to me when Deidre, uh, Deidre Rahman uh, brought it to my attention and Deidre just joined us, silently creeped in to the recording. Hey girl, how you doing? <laughs> hey y'all, hey. <laughs> hey. Um, but when Deidre brought it to my attention, I was just like, yes, this is it. The goal shouldn't be to, Justin, to your point, to change, let's make it nicer so that it feels better when people hear us talking about uh, defunding the police. But let's educate people on what that actually means. Let's have a place where people can come to learn about what what, what are different ways we can do that, what an approach could look like. And then, um, Brandon, to your point, it was just done so beautifully. And, and, and art, art and aesthetic is so important when it comes to when it comes to telling a narrative or cha- shifting narrative, I, I, um, I've heard this in other conversations that I've been around with you all, but I'd love for you guys to talk about um, specifically the, the decision not to use um, traumatic imagery mm-hmm. to tell the story and how you guys were able to pivot to actually make, um, make the visuals not only digestible, but also like intriguing and beautiful at the same time. How did you guys come to that decision? And because this is a podcast and not a TV show, um, give us some examples on how you were able to to tell the story without um, exploiting the imagery that we see every day on social media. Yeah, so once we got alignment with the team uh, about the approach we wanted to take creatively, um, that was very important to us because it was a, a different way of, of trying to get the message across that 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 one that Justin and, and Fu uh, came up with. We started to vet it ourselves after we got their blessing in terms of like, all right, how would this actually work? And um, we started to think about what we we landed on, and it started to become an idea of like, oh shit, are we going to ask people to to really go in and and dive into some horrific stories like go in and and relive are we causing them uh trauma that that is not our intent it wasn't our intention excuse me so we started thinking about that and um we felt that we could do it without causing the trauma uh there's certain things we obviously knew we could do in terms of ui in terms of um copy to kind of like um post like trigger warnings and explain. But we also knew, uh, we took a big leap uh, with the artists that we engaged that uh, they would get it, that they would get the concept and then that they would understand what we understand because they're in the same community that we're in. So they understand this issue where a lot of us are coming from. Um, so shout out to them. Like we worked with three wonderful artists, uh, Dwayne W. Wright, uh, Jessica Coppett and Hillary Wilson. And they all knew right away. They were like, all right, so mm-hmm. this isn't about, um, this isn't going to be trauma porn in any way. Like, this is going to be about the artwork. And they took on the challenge of being uh, not just artists, but illustrators. So taking this story and a story that is very, very, each one of the stories, excuse me, that are very, very traumatic because they're real. And you know the real impacts. Like they might not be in the news cycle anymore, but they actually happen, and these families are still dealing with the aftermath of what happened. They were able to go through and, and just use um, wonderfully creative vehicles to make it happen. Like if you look at Jessica's work, being able to go in, Jessica has a distinct style of using only lines to, to create her artwork. And she was able to like weave the story uh, of Kaya Roll uh, strictly through line art and kind of imply like the, the pivotal moments of the story where, where things went went wrong and what could have happened with just very few colors. Uh, w took a different approach of actually diving into the the story more and more than anybody probably should for their own mental health, but he wanted to really understand the perspective of what was happening uh, at the moment that the police decided to open fire. And he decided that he really wanted to show policing as an institution and not focus on the individual police officer um, that committed the act. 
So his use of, of like police tape, I thought was insane. Like he, he actually was the first artist that started working. And I, I don't know about you, Fu and Justin, I know I've shared that story a couple of times where, where, where I saw his thumbnails when he started it. And I was like, okay, we're, we're good. Like he understands it because yeah. I was just, just shocked by like what he came up with in like 36 hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had an artist uh, round table with them after we launched. And one of the things that stuck out to me most when W was describing his, his perspective on this is as Brandon said, he was, he was personifying the police tape uh, as the officer to stand in for the institution. Uh, and he has a more comic book like style compared to the other artists. So it, uh, and then he was also taking, he said he took inspiration from like horror movie, uh, like kind of camera angles and movie yeah. posters. And so there's this sense of suspense in his, in his work where the focus is pulled in different directions where you don't quite see, uh, uh, I think this is a story about Jason Harrison, uh, you know, standing there and it's, uh, it's, it's all very subtle, but then when he describes it, you realize, wow, there's a lot of intention in what he's doing here to make it uh, come to life. And like, I, I think, you know, in his, each artist has a set of three where it's like the beginning, uh, the, the, the kind of the, the climax, the traumatic moment, and then the last piece of art is the resolution. And, and like, you really feel that in, in all three of them. Um, yeah. The last artist, Hillary Wilson, she's a, uh, uh, she is a oh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? She, she actually like masters like medical illustration. Yeah, it's, medical it's illustration. Incredible. And yeah. so, like her work is so fantastical, it, it, yes. and she brought all of that in. Like the medical, the the anatomy. Like she used hands as personification yeah. of the issue of the institution of the entire interaction, and like. I remember her sending back her um, work in progress sketches and the writing accompanying it was like, I want to focus on the tendon and the force and the way the muscles interact with each other. She was like infusing sort of her artistic side with the medical knowledge, the medical illustration that she has. And she just like married it beautifully. And she was honestly one of the first artists, even though W and Jessica did it sort of in unintentionally, but like not so overtly, she just flat out was just like, I will not portray trauma. This is how I'm going to portray this. And it was incredible. It it was just as touching, if not more. Which is so important. And I want to take a brief step back. uh, Some one second. Um, for those of you that didn't get a chance to listen to our episode back in February, Defund to Refund is a website platform where um, you is a website platform where you go to defundtorefund.org. Um, as you go there, you will find a series of stories um, where police involvement um, basically caused a negative outcome. And through these beautiful illustrations that the the defund refund team have just described to you, um, they propose different ways to approach um, these scenarios uh, given non-police activity um, uh, services. So whether it's healthcare, social services, housing, et cetera, they use, let's reallocate funds from police to these scenarios. Mm -hmm. And then you guys, basically imagine a world where, you know, the outcomes are different because there's more care put towards people. People are treated as people and and their need, like in a brief, your actual insight is being serviced as opposed to let's shoot them up, shoot them up, shoot them up all. Um, So definitely take take a look at defundtorefund.org, but I'll let you guys continue. Yeah, I was going to say the format starts out very familiar to anybody. It's like a news story. But as you start to scroll down and these stories happen, you see those police costs add up and they kind of add up on a ticker at the top of the story. And then eventually when it gets to that traumatic moment, we say this much money for this. And we actually we kind of break that news story experience. We ask the user to kind of like swipe into a new world where that money then gets reallocated and you see that money fall into the different buckets. So instead of you know, police officers and paying out misconduct lawsuits and that you get mental health responders and fair housing support and other things. And so, and like, 
Brandon and team did a really great job. We're like, the color of the site changes. You know, we go from dark to light. You feel the whole thing. You see that final piece of artwork where, you know, uh, Jason Harrison lives or Kaya Roll thrives. Uh, And you you start to feel like, like, it's actually possible. And I think that that's what, that's one thing that we, that's a big thing that we want to communicate with this is it's possible. This isn't outlandish. This isn't, something that is a fantasy the the one of the biggest inspirations for us was representative ocasio-cortez's instagram stories where she talks about it doesn't actually take a lot of imagination because this happens in america but just in suburban communities or white communities rural communities where they aren't suffering the lack of services for police uh, or they aren't substituting police into every situation that has a need for somebody to respond. And so like one of the biggest things we just want to communicate is that it's possible. Uh, and as long like we want people to be able to have those conversations and not get them shut down at the default. Oh, nope. Can't say that. Can't do that. Can't talk about that. It's off limits. No, like this should be on limits and this should be having conversations where the site doesn't dictate any one particular budget formulation. But it does say, like, you, we need to be having these conversations. How did you, how did you guys pick the stories um, that you chose to highlight and develop um, that are outlining the three, three pillars of social services, healthcare, and education? Yeah, we we actually were. Um, so our content strategist Carrie, um, who was sort of behind. A lot of the math and the and the mapping of the content to something that actually made sense. We we were very intentional in partnering with Asmir to understand. Okay, we we don't want to just pick any stories. Although unfortunately, there's always there's there's too many to count. There's so many at our disposal to be using because over policing is such a huge issue. Um, we actually took a different approach where we said, what are the services and what are the areas in which we have to fund when we think about community driven initiatives? And we defined them to be education, healthcare, um, houselessness, and then eventually transportation. Those were the big four categories. And we said, let's use these stories to be representative of each one of these categories so that we can tell a little bit of a different layer of the story, but it's all the same story Um, because it's not any one moment or any one incident. There are just so many different facets to all of this, to over-policing that we have to cover that um, we actually took the result. We looked at it from the resolution and said, this is the, this is the result we want to come to. Let's use these stories to help represent something bigger. And, and I think the goal in the future is if we continue to create, you know, stand up this initiative, we bring in more stories, we tell more stories within each one of these four buckets, um, and we partner with more artists um, in the Black community, um, and maybe eventually extending to, you know, the BIPOC community so that we can sort of give back as well um, to the artist community who've always always been using sort of art as activism. So um, that was sort of how we used um, the three stories. That's so important. Um, how, I mean, you guys, you guys launched, you guys launched this a few months ago. Was it in February? Mm-hmm. February? Yeah. Okay. So you February guys, 22nd. Okay. <laughs> right, right before the end of Black History Month. You know, there's only 28 days, 29 on a good year. Yeah. All um, right. <laughs> well, so my question is since, since your launch, February 22nd, how has this been received publicly? Um, and that could mean, you know, within your, your peer group at work, uh, the huge community, within the advertising community, and if beyond, um, I'd love to know what those stories have been like. Yeah, so I think, you know, w- one of the first results we got was like when we announced the idea internally to get people to work on it. And, you know, it's very difficult in this remote work uh, life to get good feedback in the moment a lot of times, but that's one of the times I remember where like the chat was blowing up in Zoom. People were like, wow, we really like this idea. And as Brandon described earlier, we got a bunch of Slack messages like right after from him and others were like, we are eager to help with this. So like, it was a very overwhelming day because we were just like, oh wow, people are on board with this and they think that this will be helpful. And so that that was when we kind of, one of the first indications that we had that 
okay, maybe we're on to something here. Since we've launched, uh, we, uh, we have had a, uh, a lot of folks reach out to us and like, hey, we really like this idea. Uh, there was coverage in Adweek and Blavity uh, to start. Uh, and I think, you know, one of the, one of the more important things, although maybe one of the less uh, like broadly reaching things is, you know, what we've heard from people in other agencies, uh, you know, talking about like, how did, how did you get huge to let you do this? Like really looking at us like, like, wow, y'all didn't just put up a black square or a black lives matter page on the website. Like, like, how did you do this? And like hearing from other, you know, our colleagues at other agencies, like being able to take this and point to it and say, look what they did. Like we can do more. They did that. Uh, and, and I think that that's probably one of the more encouraging things that, that we've heard. Uh, you know, we haven't gone viral yet. You know, this is still, uh, you know, one of the topics that I think, you know, especially, you know, in senior leadership in advertising, uh, is still not, uh, you know, people, I think senior leaders kind of double check themselves sometimes when it comes to defund the police uh, and, and, you know, this type of very specific policy. Uh, and, and I think, you know, the, the tendency is always to be a bit more vague. Uh, but I think among, you know, workers and, and people that do the work at agencies, we are hearing, uh, you know, that this has given them a boost uh, you know, we've had a few community organizing uh, groups in in Maryland, you know, start to use the language defund to refund the hashtag and, and, you know, in some of their own petitions uh, to do that. And, you know, I think, but I think we've always seen this as something that like, this was never going to be a tidal wave to start, but it's going to be a rising tide. Uh, and, and so, you know, this, like, we're in it for the long haul. Uh, and we want to, we're going to, continue to shepherd this and, and grow this uh, as as long as it's necessary. What does that long-term uh, goal look like? Um, just for our viewers, um, listen, viewers and listeners uh, and people who want to uh, get involved, what, is, what does that look like for, for you guys and what do you want people to do as far as engagement? Yeah, uh, so I mean, we share the goals of the movement, which is like, for like, first off, stop killing black people, full stop. Uh, that's, that's the goal. And, and like, secondly, like let them thrive. Uh, and, and, but defund to refund doesn't do that alone. It is a small piece of a bigger, uh, bigger movement. We see our role within that as removing roadblocks so that people can have these conversations. We specifically want to counter that weaponization around defund and making that scary. It's similar to like Obamacare. When people hear Obamacare, it got so weaponized that it became misleading. But when you explain the policy to them, they all like it. Same thing happened in our own research. When we explain what defund the police means, People are like, yeah, we should have a talk about that. And so we want to let people have those conversations. I think on our roadmap specifically, how we want to continue to get there is right now we have three stories to kind of speak to a broad swath of topics. Uh, we're actively looking for partners uh, to go into a more specific, like tell some more specific stories. So we'd love to work with you know, a specific activist organization in a specific community with specific budget demands and tell their stories and, and, and show how their specific policy asks can change their community. I think that would be a, a really powerful way to support uh, on a local level. As we've been talking about, this all starts grassroots. We don't have to wait for the federal government to make a change here. This is like each community can make their own decisions and start taking steps towards this. Uh, and then, you know, I think like for us, inspiring and challenging the advertising industry to move from allyship to being an accomplice. Uh, how can we move from, you know, shouting from the back to being on the front lines? Uh, and I think I, I think that's something that uh, also will you know take time. Uh, but I'm I'm encouraged uh, 
by what we've been able to do with huge uh, and with the support there. I'm also encouraged specifically like specifically uh, because of something you, you mentioned with, you know, inspiring people to take a stand and removing the fear of not being supported by leadership. Um, so, you know, the people that listen to the show are, are people that like to take action. And luckily we have Deatra here as well. So I'd love to get a sense from you guys. Like, I know this was an, a global agency brief put out, but how did you manage to, to get and maintain support um, and Deidre, I'd love to hear about your role um, in this as well, uh, being one of the more senior uh, leaders uh, within the huge community. Um, good segue. I think for defund to refund, um, you know, it, as the team stated, like it was an overwhelming amount of support, you know, when this was um initiated. And then I think as the team uh, started to work and actually when it's, everything started to materialize, I think, you know, and it's it's natural to move into a space of discomfort or, you know, moving into, you know, unknown territory that you've never um, were faced to be in. And I think my role with this team here and the larger team is really to be that champion um, and to help our leaders and our, you know, the talent, the amazing talent that has worked on this, understand that it's okay to be uncomfortable. You know, it's okay to say, you know, I'm afraid, you know, or I am not sure, you know, where this is going to go. And it's okay. And what you'll find is, is when you can have those honest conversations that, um, you know, you'd be amazed at how, how much everyone will rally around that, you know, um, and that's what I think happened here, you know, and yes, there was discomfort. Yes, there was uncertainty, um, but it, I think it made uh, the agency, you know, come together um, a little bit stronger. And really my role here is just to be the champion and connect this, these amazing uh, new leaders. Cause my, my position is if we can have leaders like this, you know, um, in Adland, you know, then, then maybe maybe it'll survive, you know. So it's really to champion uh, the talent here and to get them in spaces and places, you know, where they can continue to tell the story, where they can continue to get amplification, uh, connecting them with in my network, like IE, Kai, when I reached out to you. Um, and that's really my role. Uh, I was not a part of it. I had just joined Huge, I think, in October um, when this was all starting to come together. So um, I was not a part of it, but when I learned about it, it really gave me a sense of saying, okay, you know, I, maybe I am in the right place. Maybe I made the right decision, you know, uh, with the right agency to come back to agency life. If, if there's an agency out here that can get behind something like this. So I think from a leadership perspective, it, it really made us see, you know, what we can do together you know, when we, when we move from like, it's just to say it from that ally to accomplice. Yeah. I, I'll say that again too, like having Deidre's presence when sort of in the moment of the, the peak of uncertainty, knowing that you have that accomplice and ally and, and that person that's fighting for you at a leadership level is so important. Um, and I'll say we had a fierce, fierce group of activists that worked on this, um, that was so protective of everything that we were making, but also we were really protective of the people we were making it with and the people we were making it for. And so we were, as a core group, we were not going to back down and we were going to fight until the very end. And it's, it really does take the right leaders in the right positions, you know, with the right words and with the right, you know, um, time dedicated to this to help us sort of move this along. And I think it would, I don't think this initiative would have seen the light of day, honestly, without Deidre playing a huge hand in it. So I personally am very, very grateful for your for your help and presence here. No, I'm I'm just glad to to see it, you know, continue to get the amplification that it needs, especially, I mean, you know, we've all been inundated with the, the news lately. And there's so, like you said, so many stories, so, so many. And um, we have to move this conversation. To me and my personal opinion, we need to move this conversation along a lot quicker, you know. 
than, than, than when we launched it in February because we need it. We need it bad. Agreed. Yeah, that was one. That was one of the things too. It's just that, fortunately, unfortunately, it's like that double-edged sword. Like there's just there wasn't a shortage of stories to tell. So we knew that we had an idea that had legs and that would resonate with people. But then again, there's too many stories to tell. Like it keeps happening to the point where we can't keep up because it's happening. Like I saw a number yesterday where we're on pace right now uh, in this country alone to have um, three deaths a day uh, with uh, police involvement. And we've only, like, it's only the late part of April. So like that's an insane number uh, to look at and see and understand that there's a it's a massive issue. It's an issue that's been here for for years, and we're playing a very small part. But we hope that small part is impactful and and shows people that they have um, real alternatives to affect their their current living situations and, and speak to the people and let them know that they're being held accountable. Like these elected officials. Um, and these state-run institutions are held accountable to their communities. I'm on mute. Of course I am. It's 2021 and we're using technology for everything. Duh. (laughs) Um, So I guess my my question to you guys, like bringing this, now that this is what, Phil, I think you said it, like we've come kind of full circle with this, right? But it's not the end of the circle it's it's a new circle forming with the conviction of of Derek Chauvin yesterday with the one-year anniversary of um the murder of George Floyd um we recently have have passed by uh not passed by but we you know recently it's been the one-year anniversary of Breonna Taylor's murder um, and with the murder, countless murders that happen every day at the hands of police and, and public servants, um, how does this impact the work that you're doing? You all have day jobs. You all have bills you've got to pay. Does any of this news and any of, any of these year and five year and 10 year and 30 year anniversaries that we're hitting, does this impact the work that you're doing and, and drive you in? A new direction or does it double down on what you've just been what you've been doing to date yeah so it, it it is renewed motivation and it doubles down on what we need to do so i'm going to borrow again from representative ocasio-cortez uh systemic issues require systemic solutions what we saw yesterday at best was individual accountability uh what it is in reality is likely a system preserving itself uh, into the future, you know, to live another day. Uh, neither of those things changes what needs to be done at a, at a system level. And, you know, we built the site to be, you know, more, more evergreen. Uh, the stories that we chose hadn't been in the news for four or five years. Uh, and, you know, this will, it will continue to be evergreen until America changes. Uh, and that is a slow process. So, uh, you know, as we've said, you know, yesterday we were talking about George Floyd. Today we're talking about Micaiah Bryant. Tomorrow we will be talking about somebody new, unfortunately. And so the, the work continues. And I think, you know, we launched the site and life happens. And I think we've all kind of had like this energy of like, Oh, we have to like, you know, when we started this, we're like, we have to do something. We have to do something. That's what led it. And we launched the site and then we're kind of like, Oh, we have to do something. We have to do something. But I think part of the difficulty of, of working on defund to refund is knowing that we have the time and taking confident considered steps in everything that we do will will be more valuable than us rushing. And, uh, you know, I like, like for me, this is the alternative to like all caps on Twitter, like burn it down. This is like, this is the more meaningful thing. This is not slacktivism. This is, this is the thing that, that hopefully will, uh, have a legacy, uh, you know, beyond, 
uh, you know, just that thing that we did in the agency one time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, true, I think Brandon. New to me, I've never heard of slacktivism until today. <laughs> I was today years old, and I appreciate that. <laughs> Copyright. <laughs> right, you gotta you gotta lock that in. I'm here, so I'm here for the real activism, but the slacktivism can get it too. I like that. Yeah. I saw it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Giving credit where credit's due, the internet. So they, um, we're all yeah. come from. Yeah. I think I would add to, to what Justin's saying too. And, and I think how you mentioned it in the beginning, and it's true, it's more important now than ever. And it's more, it's, it's a part of the conversation. It's a part of the zeitgeist. It's, it's something that people are starting to care about and care about more. So defund to refund and the, the policy demand behind defund to refund is all the more relevant um, and important. So that doesn't go away. Um, but I think like, you know, I sound like a broken record probably to Brandon and Justin, but I, I've said this a lot when we kicked off the project and all throughout. I think for me, the, the outcome of this project is just as important as the process. And I really, really hope that this whole initiative and the way that we've gone about it is an example, both to the people who are involved to say, you know, look what happens when you wake up and use your power, your creative power for advocacy and for people outside of yourself, all of the allies were involved in this initiative. But then also for, you know, any of the agency leadership who might be listening to this podcast or who might come in contact with this, the feedback that we keep getting from every person who's worked on this is this is one of the most meaningful things that they've worked on in their lives. And if they could give up their day job to work on this or like, yes, I will work my 40 hours a week on clients. And then on top of that, I will do this because it's important. I can't tell you how many times I've heard it from the team. And I just, I want people to realize and corporate America and those in leadership positions to realize if you really want people to stick around, if people is your greatest resource, you have to know what people want and you have to know what people want to work on. And this is one of those things where the process, the way in which we got here, the people that came together to make this thing is just as much of a proof for the fact that we can make change if we just get together um, than, you know, just the outcome of putting defund to refund out into the world. And, and this is definitely not the end. Like this is very much the beginning. And I'll, I'll say this, like we're discovering as we're going what this can become and what we want this thing to be. Every conversation we have with a partner gets us one step closer to unlocking, oh, this could be this, this could be that. Like it's, it's the potential is endless um, and the impact could be endless, but we just gotta, we just gotta keep getting people on the boat and, and keep, keep everybody doing the work that they wanna be doing in, in, in service of advocacy. Agreed. 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 So what is that? What is that outcome? Like, at least for this year or future, like, what do you guys want? Where do you want this platform to go? What do you want the the not end result, but what's the first milestone that you want to hit? I think, as we <laughs> <laughs> I, I think as we mentioned earlier, like, like one of the things that that's an important milestone for us is finding a partner uh, to work with and, and to take this into another phase to tell more stories. Uh, I think another uh, important milestone for us, and we've been having some conversations about this, uh, but Fu and I have always talked about from the very beginning that, that having a tool that we can bring into educational spaces is really important. Uh, and like, a project I worked on that's actually that's close to my heart a while back at a different agency, McKinney is called Spent. Uh, uh, shout out to the wonderful Jenny Nicholson, uh, where you, it's actually a game where you try to live on minimum wage for a month in the game. And fun fact, it's really, really hard to win that game. Uh, it's almost like it's rigged yes. against you. Uh, and it teaches yes. a yes. lot in a short amount of time. And we want to defund to refund to kind of have a, a similar effect. It's not a game. It's, uh, but I would like one of the positive things about spent is that they actually have taken that into classrooms, into other places, and they use it to teach and defund to refund may not make it into classrooms per se, but I know that, uh, you know, elected representatives, sometimes they have teach-ins 
uh, activist organizations. They have you know booths set up at different places where they try you know to explain. I would love to be working you know with some elected officials or some other groups to be able to get in and and have defund to refund be a an experience that they can show and explain to their constituents why this is important uh, and help them. And, you know, and if that means making more stories for them that are specific to those communities, working with artists in their communities, that would be really, uh, really powerful. Um, you know, I, I think if there's a way for people to help us get that, I mean, there's two things that people can do. Um, you, know, you can you can follow us and spread the word at defund to refund with the, the number two, uh, both on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we don't just want people just to spread the word and link online, but like engage with the content, you know, sit down with your family and your friends and like have a conversation about it. I think this is meant, this is meant to be like a dinner table website, uh, you know, take it. Uh, and, and talk about it. Uh, and, you know, if you have like resources or toolkits or other things where you're, you know, providing information for people to learn more about that, you know, go ahead and throw us in there. I think we can be a helpful, uh, a helpful link for people that gives a different perspective instead of just reading like a textbook, people can read these stories and experience it. And then, you know, if you really want to get involved with us, if you hear this and you say, yes, let's work together, uh, info at defundtorefund.org. Again, numeral two. Uh, you can email us. And if you are an activist organization or you have potential partners that could work with us in mind, you know, connect us and like, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about what's possible. Well, I'm going to be a little bit more specific. ACLU. We'd love to work with ACLU, <laughs> NAACP, Black Lives uh, Matter. Uh, who else? Um, National Leadership Conference, National, right. Urban, Urban League, Urban League, Open like, Budget, Open Budget call Organization. Call them out, like you know, we need we need to start like really getting aggressive because it's just it's just urgent at this point, um, especially you know that brief moment of relief that we had all to turn around, you know, and, and learn mm -hmm. about the incident in, in Ohio. It's just really urgent. Um, and any agencies, you know, that um, that are hearing <laughs> this, you know, we want to partner, you know, um, that's something that we we think uh, can really impact just the, um, so my, now my dog is whining, that can really <laughs> um, impact, you know, the industry as a whole. Um, and really start to maybe, you know, um, get these conversations and get people to be, you know, a little bit more um, adamant about the type of work that they want to do, you know, and for brands, you know, to understand that as well. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, Ben and Jerry, skip at us. Uh, Corey Bush, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Corey Booker, Anna Presley, Julio Castro. Oh. Yeah, all we'll, we'll talk them. to all okay. of y'all. All of them. <laughs> all of them. I love to hear it. What was that? I didn't hear you. That activate everybody. Uh, the last episode, Kai said you have not because you asked not. So you asked for everyone to. Right. <laughs> and somebody's gonna somebody's gonna come through because this is really important. And you know, just kind of looking at some of the backlash that came last summer when you know defund defund police uh, started to really take flight. I think this is a really great pivot or, or a deeper dive into what that means and it's i believe it's going to have the impact that you intend for it to have yeah sure we, we, we hope so that actually brings up another milestone so so far the feedback's been pretty positive but we want to get it out there more a mi important milestone for me when the haters start to come after us that's when the people start real. that's what <laughs> that's when we'll the right trees yeah. that is when you know it's real all right well let's figure out who knows who Whose cousin went to what cookout where somebody was there? Let's definitely, oh. if you're listening, um, make the connection. I think, you know, the biggest thing we can do in our industry, like I said earlier, is educate people. Um, and now that we know better, we have to do better as, as an industry, but as a community of, of, of many people who care, um, starting with, you know, our homes and also with, you know, what happens when we walk out the door. So, defund to refund. I'm a fan of the platform. I'm a fan of the storytelling. I'm a fan of anything that stands up to um, uh, socialized injustice. And um, we at Mixed Company, Simeon and I are here if you guys need us. I'll go through my own personal Rolodex and see if I can pull out some email addresses for y'all. 
to a lot of people I haven't been in touch with in a, in a while, but I can definitely point you in some right directions. Um, and speaking of right directions, uh, I think, I think uh, uh, Justin just shared all of the social handles and, and, and internet things where you guys can find them. You all know how to reach out to us on Mixed Company. You can find us on all the social media platforms at Ask Mixed Company. You can check us out on our website at mixedcompanypodcast.com. Um, or you can just slide all up in our DMs and, and say the things you need to say individually. Uh, but with that said, defund to refund crew, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the for doing the, the work um, beyond slacktivism. I'm with the shits. Um, <laughs> these, feel, these feel like these feel like like trigger fingers more than Twitter fingers. And I and I like it. Um, and I mean that. Um, and so with that, thank you all for joining. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will be back with another episode in a couple of weeks. Peace out. Peace out, guys. Peace. Thanks for having us. Thank you.